Hey, 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 what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. Got my hat today, so finally can join the club. Today we're going to be talking about uh, building a plugin system with Angular. Should be pretty cool. Before we get started, let's do a few uh, plugs for a couple upcoming conferences. We got NG Cruise coming up uh, just around the corner, about two weeks away. I think there might be still a couple tickets left, so you can check it out on ngcruise.com. Uh, join us on the cruise. should be pretty cool. And we also have Angular Up coming up in, uh, uh, let's see, June 25th in Tel Aviv, uh, one of Europe's largest Angular conferences, bringing together international and local speakers and also includes a magical two-day tour to explore the beauty of Israel. So check that out at angular-up.com. And then Angular Camp is coming up in July on July 6th and 7th in Barcelona. And that's a developer camp that is centered around the community and community speakers, topics, decisions, all that stuff. Super fun. They're starting to announce some, some uh, core speakers that are coming. Looks pretty cool. So check that out at angularcamp.org. All right. For our panelists today, we have Austin McDaniel joining us. Austin, how's it going? How's it going, everybody? That was a long spiel. I was like starting to run out of breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we got uh, Alyssa and Eichel joining us. Alyssa, what's going on? Hi. I might be moving outside so you can hear me in a minute, but I'm going to be muted for now. <laughs> cool. All right. And Mike Brocky, Mike, what's going on? Not too much, man. Just hanging out on a Tuesday. Awesome. Awesome. And our guest today is Fabian Wiles. Fabian, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Pretty uh, early in my part of the country, but so good. Yeah, yeah. so it's like 6 a.m. your time. We really appreciate you getting up early and uh, coming on the show. Super appreciate it. So good. Cool. Why don't, why don't you uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Uh, we actually met at NGConf. Uh, Fabian's really cool, really interesting guy. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool to hear what he has to share with us today. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Right. So I'm a computer science student at the University of Auckland um, here in New Zealand. Uh, I've been programming for about two years now, um, about 1.5 of that on WebDev and Angular for the last six months or so. Um, and I spent a lot of time on Gitter, as some people may have found me through there. If you ever need to speak to me, I will be on the getter. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, I'm in my final year of uni at the moment, um, and I really just enjoy uh, Angular and messing with the framework, and it's really cool. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. And so we're going to talk building a plugin system today, right? Um, and some dynamic module loading type of stuff. Um, can you kind of give us a rundown really quick of what, what we're going to be exploring here? Yeah, so it's based. Uh, <clears throat> so at the moment, you can currently statically load uh, modules, uh, but only at build time. The modules have to be known at build time. Uh, well, sorry, I mean, obviously, you can do it dynamic as well. But you can easily do it. Uh, statically. Uh, so what we're going to be looking at is how you can do that dynamically. It's a bit more involved, 
uh, it requires a build system and you can't use the CLI all the way along. However, with doing it statically, you can use the CLI all the way along. So that's because of how the router does it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So we're thinking like uh, building an application that could have dynamic pieces added to it over time. So you have this kind of application architecture that lives in production ready to go and people can bring pieces into it um, at a later date at runtime without having to like rebuild the and re-deliver the entire application. Kind of that sort of concept with, with a plugin system? Yeah, exactly. So the core application can be uh, deployed and it can just sit there forever. I mean, at least depending on specific implementations, but it can just sit there. Um, and then these plugins, you can simply upload them to some sort of a data store, uh, a database maybe if you wanted to, or just some server, however you specifically want to do it. Um, and then on the front end, you'll be like, oh, hey, there's this new plugin I can select from to put in a, a widget of some sort, like a photo scroller maybe, who knows. So um, a, and then that will be able to download and use it. So what would be like a business use case for this or like an application use case? How would I, you know, what, what functionality like would I want? You, you kind of mentioned like uploading a plugin. Uh, you know, how could that relate to like an implementation? Yeah, so uh, one I keep getting, uh, hearing about is sort of uh, uh, sort of free, uh, platforms that people use um, that allow the consumer to sort of build stuff themselves. Uh, so when they're bringing together uh, sort of like a WYSIWYG uh, website builder, there we go, uh, where they pull so in I'm like this component dashboard. and this component. Sorry? So like a dynamic dashboard where you may want to have a foo widget or a bar widget that you may not necessarily want to take the weight of loading that every time, but only if the user actually needs it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but it could be even even more, right? Like in terms of I have like an application that, that I'm wanting to log in and use, and I want to have some custom form, let's say, that I want to add to that to collecting this data. So the, the application itself manages users and customers, and I want to be able to bring my own little kind of data collection form into that. I could build a, a plugin that I could just install into this thing and now have my own kind of control over the customization of this existing app, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, however, it does have its drawbacks, uh, as everything. So, I mean, people are probably familiar with this sort of a concept from AngularJS. And the reason why it worked so easily and so well back then is because in AngularJS, everything was uh, UMD bundled, right? So you put in the entire framework, you put in everything at once, and it'll load into your browser. Uh, I mean, not everyone did that, but the general way at least. Uh, so with this implementation I'm doing here, I've actually gone back to that. And instead of, um, so by going back to UMD bundles, you lose out all your global optimizations. You don't get tree shaking anymore. You're going to have a really quite big bundle size. Um, so load times are going to be affected. Uh, 
But is that and, something that yeah. you could, somebody who builds a, a plugin could still get benefit out of? I mean, could they build their plugin in a way that they can get the tree shaking and all that stuff and optimize their plugin? Uh, so again, the way I, I currently have it set, although I do have some ideas to uh, make it a bit more performant. Uh, but the way I have it is basically you download everything that the plugins are going to need up front by the base application. So then when you load in a plugin, it's like only the application code. There's no dependencies at all. Because otherwise, in a simplistic way, you could have uh, issues where there's dependency in one plugin, then there's dependency in another plugin, and you don't know how to like uh, have a look at the other ones because they don't exist at build time. All these sort of issues around that. So it's just easier to load up front um, and go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a, there's definitely a lot of complexity in there that you have to pull off, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I do have a few ideas for how you could improve that dependency management. Uh, couldn't you lazy however, in, couldn't you lazy load the plugins as they're like needed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's at, at all of the uh, loading and stuff is uh, completely programmatic. So you can just like click a button and then it uh, pulls down the plugin code and renders it up somewhere. Totally fine. That's cool. We want to demo some stuff. Sounds like a plan. So, uh, you ready for me to? Brock, yeah, okay. I'm gonna. Yes. Let's see. Okay. Is that up? Cool. So, uh, as I was talking about before, the um. I have this little demo application here. Um, and we have two ways of doing things. There's a dynamic and then there's static. Uh, the static way of doing things was, as I was saying, uh, it has to be known at build time. So we have this little component here, uh, basically just to show uh, similar to how the router does it. This one here uh, specifically will only do AOT. You can see that by the referencing direct ng factories and you're grabbing the ng factory classes out of it. Uh, but the idea is that this path here has to be static. It has to be known at build time. Otherwise, it can't, uh, sorry, the build system cannot make a chunk out of uh, the file it's referencing. Just real but, quick, so system.import there, are you using system.js to bring in this file then? Uh, no, so that works, uh, well, not necessary, sorry. Uh, that works with Webpack, 100% fine. Um, I'm actually not certain where the system.import uh, comes from, <laughs> but um, that's just how it works with uh, Webpack, it's fine. It's what the Angular router uses internally when you lazy load routes. Or cool system to import on that uh, path that you give it. Sure. Um, I was just curious if you were using system.js here for this. Right. Although that is a fair point about system.js. Uh, in terms of 
a lot of what I'm showing here can actually be done with system.js, and it, in a lot of situations is more recommended. Uh, but there's also drawbacks to doing that as well. Anyway. Can you uh, bump the font up a little bit too, please? Yep. Is that good? One, one or two more. Cool. I think that'll work. Down one will probably work. All right. Cool. Thank you. No problem. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so we're importing this module here. Um, and then once that you can do, that is a promise um, because it will resolve at runtime. Uh, you can then run it then off that. Uh, which will give you the factories loaded in by the uh, build system. Uh, and then you can do this here. That's a bit not great uh, using that component type there. I wouldn't advise doing that. Um, but it's we don't have a token uh, to grab the factory beforehand. So we have to be able to grab that uh, factory type somehow to be able to resolve it. Uh, later on down here. Cool. Anyway, so that's how you do it statically at the moment, or at least somewhere along that path. So we jump over to the uh, dynamic path. So you can see here we have uh, the base part, which is the base application. Uh, so each one of these folders are their own individual application. Uh, and it's just demoing something slightly different. So if we have a look at one of these. You're referring to different Angular applications, is that correct? Yes, yeah. So each one of them can be run independently. So a plugin can be run by itself, and you can develop it by itself. You don't need anything else. Um, and then you can deploy it, and then the, it'll look exactly the same as what you were developing locally as when you deploy it to the, your uh, main application. Uh, so we have a look at this plugin, which I marvelously called my plugin. We got just pretty simple component here. Uh, I am a plugin. I thought that was pretty self-explanatory, and a pretty simple module. Um, however, it does have a few interesting parts. So we got this entry components here. So that's pretty important in terms of when the uh, module is bundled up. Uh, sorry, when it's compiled by NGC, you need to have your component inside this entry components array. Otherwise, it will not make a factory for it. Um, and then we have this provided uh, token here. So this is, I'll explain later on a bit better, but this is basically telling the base application what to render. Because you may have more than one component inside this module here that you're loading into the base application. Uh, so this just tells it what to actually render. Cool. So now we have a look at some of the config. So we've got this metadata file. It looks pretty pretty simplistic. Uh, but it basically just tells a bit about what you're loading in. So when we actually load in the plugin, we'll ask for this first, have a look at it, and then we'll load in the actual uh, JavaScript. So if you didn't have this file, would everything break? Currently, yes. Um, however, it can also be done. You could configure it to do it without it. Uh, but I do also have some ideas that will then require this uh, metadata file. 
uh, to help deal with dependencies. Um, because that would need to be loaded up front before the JavaScript once again. Um, and then we'll look down a bit further. So we're using Rollup to uh, bundle up the application. Uh, sorry, bundle up the plugin. Um, and that has, so the core idea of how the application actually works is basically around dependency management. So you can see this here, this Angular core and Angular slash common. Uh, when you're telling Rollup that when it comes across the Angular slash core, actually resolve ng.core, which is the Angular object inside the browser, instead of uh, grabbing it from your node modules at build time. Um, all right, we continue on then. Uh, so we have a few tiers. Is that something that's uh, roll-up specific? Or is that something uh, added to the mix to, to pull this off? Kind of. Uh, so this idea of external dependencies isn't specific to roll-up. Uh, and we are actually doing the same thing in other places with Webpack. Um, but you do need it there for it to work. Um, Oh, and also, sorry, one other thing is that the format is UMD. Uh, that's so the object created by the bundle is actually accessible on the window object. Cool. Uh, so we also have a few TS configs. Um, one of them is for NGC, one of them is for TSC. That probably sounds a bit confusing. Um, but if we have a look at the build process, uh, you actually need to run NGC to do the codegen, and then TSC, uh, which is a TypeScript compiler, to then transpile that factory into usable JavaScript. Uh, so the little script I have here um, is just uh, run NGC, which will compile your Angular, Angular code and do the codegen uh, then run TSC on that code, and then roll it up, and then just copy it somewhere. Um, yeah. So if we run that, so I thought you said you were using. So you talked about Webpack here. I thought you mentioned that you were using, or you're showing Rollup here. I thought you said that you were using Webpack. So I was yes. just a little confused. Yes. So the plugins use Rollup to actually make it usable. But then the main application is this Webpack. <laughs> Sorry, it's probably a bit confusing. Um, and you're using Webpack there in the main one to help you bring those in dynamically, right? Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried making the plugins work with Webpack. Um, I could not. Feel free if anyone knows how to tell me how, because it would be nice to just use a single plugin system, I mean, a single bundler right the way through. Um, Mentioning Sean Larkin on the internet, we'll, or Webpack on the internet, will bring Sean Larkin to your door. <laughs> That's not always a bad thing. <laughs> it certainly is not. <laughs> cool. So if we uh, just run this build process now and take a look at what it does, um, 
so you can see that's going through its steps, uh, just cleaning up and then running NGC. Uh, so we'll look at our AOT folder. Um, it is also a bit of a mess, but we can see that uh, we got our source, which has our factories in it. Although, like I said before, those factories are TS files, and we want the JS files from it. Um, so that's where the secondary uh, transpile comes in, which is in here. And I think that this explain that really quick, like this concept that because you're building this plugin that is going to be delivered into a running application. So that's why you've got to get it all the way down to JS so you can get it out there, right? To, because this other thing is already running in JS at that point. Yeah, exactly. So it again, it might look a bit weird that you're running uh, effectively the TypeScript transpiler twice. Because you're first running the Angular one, then you're running just a raw. TSC transpiler. But like you said, it does need to be all the way down um, at that point where the application can just use it straight away. Um, but we have a quick look through here. Uh, sorry, wrong file. Uh, this one here. You can see uh, that. All right, here we go. So it's got this um, token here, which is basically just saying that that token is that plugin component, which is, again, what we'll be using later on. Is to, that um, triple equals? Is that what's happening? That is triple equals. Yes. What is that funkiness? I've never seen that before. It's uh, like making it a railroad or something. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's um, ligatures. Uh, it's actually the font Ferricode, F-I-R-A. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it just does um, a couple of funny things, like, if you go like that, makes nice well, that, I like calling it a railroad, that's cool. I like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's just the font then, it's nothing special. No, 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 sorry, <laughs> it, it is definitely just triple equals. Okay. I, I was I thought it was something new in JavaScript and I was like, now I have to learn about the railroad thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, triple equals on the same page. Totally fair enough. Um anyway. Okay. So the again this whole AOT slash AOT thing might look a bit weird, but it would make a mess of the application uh, if you did not have it transpile directly to that file. Anyway, uh, so now you can see that our plugin is nice and built in this little folder here with that same code that we saw before, except all uh, bundled together. So this is a roll-up version of it. And you can see it's got all those uh, global.myplugin. So that's the um, window.myplugin when it actually is loaded into application. Uh, you can see I'm a plugin and a few other things you can look out for, which I haven't found at the moment. Anyway, so at this point in our actual application, you will then take that bundled output and upload it to some sort of server where it can be downloaded. But because we're not dealing with the actual application, we're just going to copy paste it into our base application we got here. So we get, there's a CLI application originally. Uh, it's actually been ejected because we do need to edit the Webpack config. Uh, so we're just going to place it into our assets slash plugins. Um, and then if we just take a quick look at 
the Webpack config. So this here is one of the main things that makes this actually work. So you'll see it's the same syntax that we saw over in the rollup config. It's basically saying uh, whenever we see any of these imports, uh, either from Rx or from Angular, then use these global objects. So the Angular ones are all ng dot, uh, and then the Rx ones are all Rx uh, dot observable, and then for the operators, you got dot prototype. Uh, so you need these for it to work. Otherwise, Webpack will pull in these into the bundle, uh, and they won't be able to be referenced by the plugins when they're loaded in. Uh, cool. So I think that's the main thing from that. Um, if we now have a look at the actual code that loads it in, so this here is just a uh, pretty simple uh, component which takes a name as input. So the name is the uh, name of the module. Uh, sorry, name of the plugin. Uh, it defines a few constants. Uh, so we can see the entry component token there again. Again, we had to use a string for this token. You uh, can't use an injection token, which I would like to. Uh, but because the plugin, uh, sorry, the base component, base application, doesn't have that same injection token, it won't be able to resolve it out of the injector unless it's a string. Um, so we can see we're doing the htv.get, and that's just getting the metadata that we saw before. Um, just throwing that into JSON, and then we're having a look at that JSON, uh, metadata and using it as we go to load up the uh, plugin. Um, so to actually load it in, we're just using a script tag, because that's nice, and you can use the onload uh, to actually load it. Um, so that's just assigning the URL to where, it, where it's actually stored. So that will be assets slash plugins slash the plugin name. Uh, it's assigning the onload function. So once it's loaded up, then we can actually use it. Uh, so inside the onload, we have this ng factory, uh, sorry, module factory, which is equal to this long thing here. So that's basically going when we saw global dot my plugin, that'll be what this is here. So that's window dot uh, my plugin uh, dot the factory name because we want to get the factory out of that global object. And then once we have that factory, we can just create a new one, nice and simple. Uh, we can use that token, uh, this entry point can, token, to actually grab the component that we want to resolve, and then resolve it and render it. So if we actually uh, get that going, we can see this uh, function running. All right, so it should be loaded on. And then we have this hello dynamic components. Uh, but apparently, we got an error. Uh, 
Uh, that's not good. Sorry. Um, okay. Why is that not found? Did you make a sacrifice to the demo gods today? Apparently, I did not. <laughs> this, was, this was working last night before I went to sleep, as usual. I mean, um, if you didn't go by the goat store <laughs> beforehand and prep the sacrifice and then actually do it, it's really on you, right? I mean, I guess so. I guess so. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry I see what I've done wrong here. Uh, so it's actually trying to load in uh, my plugin dash CLI, uh, which is the other my plugin that we have there. Uh, so in our app dot component dot HTML, we just have to change that to my plugin. Save that, reload. You can see I have a plugin. Uh, so in the network requests, you can see that it will uh, first load in the metadata, um, and then it will load in the actual JS code there. Uh, you may also notice all of these uh, UMD files, although you probably can't even see it so it's, since it's so small. Um, but we go over to our index. You can see uh, that we have this mess of a few script tags. So again, how I was saying, everything needs to be externalized. These are all just loading in. Uh, your external dependencies uh, through uh, UMDs, so UMD everywhere, uh, and through node modules at the moment. But you can very easily bundle that up yourself into your own bundle, so you're not doing like 10 requests, um, and also to node modules. I mean, you don't want to deploy your node modules. But yeah, you could very easily just uh, bundle that up yourself into a single UMD. Um, Anyway, so if we uh, now take a look at the, uh, so I showed you how you can get a plugin built um, and deploy it. But now I'll show how you can do it with uh, CLI. So the idea with being able to have your plugin separate from your main application is that you can build the plugin completely independently. But the idea with that is that you can use a CLI without any weird config um, to build this plugin and then deploy it to your base application without having to change anything. Uh, so we have a look at this plugin here. Uh, it's nice and simple. So we got this uh, plugin component here, which is just nice and simple. I'm a plugin once again. Um, and then we have this app module, which is so we got two modules. We got the app module and the plugin module. The plugin one, you may notice, is exactly the same as what we saw over in the our first plugin. And then the app one is exactly what you'd see in the uh, CLI seed project. Um, so now if we reload over here, we can see 
I didn't save it earlier. Uh, we can see I'm a plugin, and then we can make a change like hello, and then updates. And so we can develop that plugin completely individually of everything else in isolation. Uh, and then we can take that plugin and we can uh, build it and then deploy it to main application as before. Uh, so that's running the exact same uh, scripts that we saw on the other plugin. And you can see it does the same AOT folder, AOT slash AOT. Uh, and then it will deploy it to our bundled applications. You can see the my plugin dash CLI. And then we put it there as before. Um, we can see that there. And then we go into here and say we want to render that one instead. And then I noticed you're, uh, you know, yep. manipulating this and restarting a bunch, and it's loading in the new plugin. Can you do this dynamically, right? So if I have a button, like I can just press a button, and it bring in a totally new component onto my page. Yes. Have you tried anything uh, like uh, that? So I mean, like I said, yes. A lot of what I'm doing here is uh, very manual, and also switching between directories uh, and not very really centralized and stuff. And a lot of it is. Um, just uh, basically for demo purposes, uh, because building a full toolchain to do this is going to require a bit of uh, specific code in that. Uh, but I want to try to keep it simple and uh, show what happens to the code, not necessarily what you might do in an actual production environment for it. Um, so now that's rendered, you can see I have a plugin. Hello. That change we made, um, and yeah, that, that's the basis of how it works, I believe. So, just really quick to recap on that last one, you were using the Angular CLI for that other plugin yeah. development. Is yeah. that correct? So that's just a, a engineer uh, project. You can see the Angular CLI JSON. Okay. There. But what um, about the rollup stuff? Did you add that? Yes, so it does also use Rollup, as the uh, other one did. But to develop on it locally, uh, you can use uh, the CLI. Or you could use your own Webpack, dev server, uh, whatever you want. But uh, I personally think the CLI is easy to use here. Um, okay. and the concept would be ng-new, work on my plugin, get that all dialed in, running in the host of the Webpack dev server and all that stuff, and then add the roll-up script stuff and the um, module for the plugin, and then I'd be ready to build, to prep it, to deliver to the plugin system. Does that sound correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, um, you may notice that it, it, either one of my plugins have basically the exact same uh, roll-up config in both of them. So they both have a roll-up config. They both have their own scripts and stuff. It also wouldn't be very hard to centralize that into a single script, which takes in a plugin name, and it looks at that folder, and then goes and compiles it into a uh, yeah, plugin. So you wouldn't even need um, 
that roll up stuff there. You'll just ha you'll just have it once, and it'll be good to go. Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. And uh, are you envisioning having like a, a a CLI tool or a package that somebody could install into their uh, new Angular project that would add that functionality? That's definitely possible. I could do that if someone actually wanted that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the idea is that you should be able to just have this one set of tools, and it can make these plugins for you. Um, yeah, although, I mean, you may be noticing a trend that you at this point, you're basically making your own uh, module dependency uh, thing of some sort. Uh, so you're basically building like system.js. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, however, system.js has a few things that it cannot do, which you can do easily here. Also, with using this uh, system, you can, it's very much customized. You can do whatever you want with it. You can set up however you want. Um, and obviously, it's AOT across the board because we're building everything into factories. So it'll be fast when your plugins loaded loaded in, but not fast when the main application is loaded in because of all the uh, UMD bundles. Very cool. Um, uh, I want to talk a few different concepts here real quick with you and ask you some questions on this stuff in terms of uh, the things that kind of come up when we start thinking about dynamically loading modules and, and things like that. Um, first thing that kind of comes to my mind is, uh, you know, I think you talked about it a little bit, but just to recap, the if my plugin that I'm building requires some other modules, right? Like let's say I require the Reactive Forms module or something else like that, or, or uh, Material or something like that, uh, that stuff is going to also need to reside in the core of the base app. Is that correct? Yeah. So the way I have it at the moment is that uh, you should load everything up front. But you can definitely you just, uh, if it's just a single dependency, you can just bundle it with the plugin. You can bundle stuff with the plugin if you want to. But if another plugin then requires that same dependency, then you're either going to have duplicated dependencies loaded in, uh, which is not great for how fast it takes to load in the plugin. Um, but I mean, it depends, I guess, is the easier way to say it. Uh, but you could also easily do a thing where you say, this was the uh, other dependency system I was thinking of, which is basically, see if the dependency is loaded in and it's on the global object. If it isn't loaded in, um, otherwise, just load in the plugin. Uh, but that will require the metadata of some sort to see what plugins, uh, sorry, what modules the plugin depends on. Um, there's a, which there's a lot of really cool concepts here. Like, um, like there's the dependency management for you know fetching these plugins automatically. But I think one of the things like uh, it, you didn't like you kind of downplayed on was the ability just to dynamically write, uh, you know, dynamically use like a for loop or something like that to automatically build out, you know, plugins. 
Um, and that's not something that you can do easily in Angular. Even if I'm not loading the plugin in the background, just being able to have some type of component that allows me to dynamically inject a uh, another component is really, really cool, I think. Right, right, yeah, cool. Um, I mean, also, in terms of uh, how it will actually work when you've loaded in, because if we actually go back to that component you're talking about there, uh, this actually works exactly the same way as, or similar to how the router does it. So when you've loaded in this component, uh, you may not be able to use the services that are in the base application, uh, as far as I can think, but you can use everything exactly the same you would in that plugin. So that plugin can have its uh, services, it can have its directives, um, it can have all of that good stuff all loaded in uh, without a problem. Uh, and you can basically, it's, it's like a sub-application at that point being loaded into your main application. Um, so how many undocumented APIs did you have to use to pull this off? <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, actually, only one. That would be the system.import, which, I mean, it's just not documented by Angular. But, I mean, we're using the, uh, the factory loader, which has a uh, thing on Angular.io on how to use it. Um, and just using injector.get. Uh, these are, I'm not actually sure if that's documented specifically, but it's not a hard API at least. Um, and then this module factory.create, that's again talked about in the same one where the resolve fact, uh, component factory is talked about. Um, so it's not terribly, like it's not using lots of private APIs and stuff. It's just using, APIs that aren't commonly used in a different way than what you'd expect. Didn't you have a reference to an underscore component type? Yes, I did. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. to, uh, sorry, that was in the static one, uh, which is here, which is exactly the kind of thing uh, which is shouldn't be using. Uh, yeah, that I think underscores are like, Anytime you use that, it's like, no, you shouldn't be using that. They should have why? like a, why though? That's their that's their marker for private. Yeah. And private names functions. aren't necessarily guaranteed to stay the same. Uh, implementations internally may change. Um, so Yeah, exactly. So like I said, not advisable to use this. Uh, but, but there are other ways to make some sort of a token. Uh, to get around trying to use that, uh, you know that, that's certainly true, and that's certainly the practice that we should follow. But sometimes you got to do some stuff to pull off some magic, right? Um, and at the end of the day, it's all JavaScript that's available there. So hey, sometimes you know you got to do some stuff to push the boundaries. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, yeah, so sure. you get you got a lot of stuff here already developed and it's really amazing and it's a ton of stuff so I don't want to like downplay that but I'm going to ask about a little future stuff here right <laughs> specifically um, how about some styling and and, and uh, ways to have you thought about like the ability to have these components these plugins that we build uh, play off of existing styles in the base app or, or anything like that 
or have you just not got to that yet? Because, which is understandable because there's a lot of stuff here. Um, in terms of, I mean, I, I guess obviously they use, they'll use the same global CSS. I, I, I have not thought about this, no. Um, but any global CSS, obviously they'll use, uh, or any, I believe it will still work through the deep tag, uh, or mark, I'm not, pseudo class, I think, there we go. Um, but apart from that, uh, yeah, because certainly, yeah, certainly like a lot of ways to go, right? I mean, you can think about all these different features. I mean, they start coming to my head of, you know, theming uh, these plugins. Um, you know, extending the the shared services and things like that that are part of the base that you could use and as an API inside of your plugins and things like that. I don't know. The mind goes crazy. There's so much potential there with what you have going here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the idea. I just wanted to uh, basically prove that you can do this without using any super crazy private APIs and stuff, um, and that you can actually do it, get it loaded in, and it just so works. Um, and then from there, you can extend it and so far to do any sort of number of things. Um, yeah. So one doesn't just go off and build this crazy dynamic <laughs> loading system uh, without anything. So what can you share, like, why you built this? Um, well, I, sorry, I did actually get to mention. Uh, big credits to Alex Ruckenberg. If I said his last name right, apologies, off the uh, Angular Core team. Um, and Kyle Cannon. Uh, those two were a lot of help with uh, getting this together. Uh, but basically, my motivation behind building it was uh, I saw a lot of people who tried to do it themselves, but they didn't really get anywhere. I, I, I have no reason. I have no reason to use it myself. Put it that way. I, I, I don't have a job, so I'm not building it for anyone. Yeah. I think um, it's noble, yeah. you know? Like, you had a goal of, like, I want to prove that this can be done just because, right? Like, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I don't think you necessarily have to use it in your everyday life to build something that's cool. And this is cool, by the way. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's much appreciated. Um, yeah, but, I mean, ex exactly. I, I have no reason to use it myself. I'm not going to use it in my applications uh, because I, I don't build massively dynamic uh, uh, dashboards and stuff and other such plugin architecture applications. So, yeah. No, but don't be surprised because there are a lot of companies out there that are doing this type of dynamic loading of components that uh, I see you've got your Twitter handle there in the bottom third of your screen. Uh, don't be surprised if somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, we'd like to expand on this. Are you interested in working <laughs> with us on that? So. <laughs> That's true. I was like, you might be doing that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, definitely, possibly. We'll see. You know, one of the things I think is cool about just any exploring any of this stuff that we see and come across is thinking about now, okay, I can learn something a little bit from that to apply it to something else. And with the dynamic loading of components, um, that's something that's uh, good to understand and stuff that you showed because you can use it for things like 
uh, you have a modal system inside of your application and you want to have this modal pop up and dynamically put in components depending on which modal experience you want to load up. And you can do that with this dynamic component loading type of code, similar sort of thing. Um, so it's always good to see even the way that you use something here that then go, oh, I could apply that same approach to my application over here for this other problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, exactly. The, the use cases are endless. Uh, I mean, every different uh, business application of it will have different use cases of how it can be used and how it can be utilized, et cetera, et cetera, which is really awesome. I mean, I love being able to uh, have something that can be expanded off that far. It's really good. So you have this up on GitHub, is that correct? I don't think we talked yep. about that. Yep, up on GitHub. Um, uh, the URL is github slash toxicable um, slash module dash loading. Except probably no one how to spell toxicable, but anyway. Cool, and is this something that you're uh, looking for people to help throw some code at? Uh, sure. If, I mean, if people are able to expand off that, 100% happy to uh, help work with them. Um, I know actually one person is uh, already uh, taking what I have, and he is uh, um, applying that to his uh, specific use cases um, and looking at how we can integrate his uh, current stuff with it and make it work for him, basically, which is really cool. I like that. That's very cool. Very cool. So um, to wrap things up, what are you looking to do after you get done with your schooling? Do you have goals, <laughs> plans? Uh, not so much. Oh, sorry. I mean, get a job and continue this sort of stuff. Um, but at the moment, uh, I'm sort of just looking for any sort of job, to be honest. Um, but working with Angular and working with this sort of stuff, uh, especially working with the community, would be amazing. Um, I mean, like I said, I spend a lot of my time on Gitter, uh, helping people out, uh, understanding how Angular works better. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy that. It's really cool. Yeah, word on the digital streets is that you kind of got something legendary building up on Gitter, <laughs> your presence there or something, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, on their Very own. Cool. So, so front end, front end development, your passion. Yes, yes, I quite like JavaScript. I um, when I first started with web dev stuff, it was a lot uh, C sharp, ASP.NET backend type stuff. Uh, but once I saw JavaScript, what you can do with it, the amazing applications you can do, it's no contention. Yeah, for, for me, it's the instant gratification of being able to deliver something that somebody can use in a UI like right away. Like that's the excitement of front-end development. Definitely cool. But, yeah, exactly. Like I um, I I just really like, especially uh, Angular, the principles it's taken behind um, reactive uh, UIs and stuff. So having your UI change based off. A database change instantly and in real time. That's why uh, my applications I have all use uh, Firebase, 
Um, oh so I really love how easy it is to just like, That is exactly what, that's when I fell in love with Angular. I was like in college and a like one of my teachers like was like, hey, try this framework out. And it was Angular. And then I also used Firebase and it like blew my mind. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so, yeah, it was like, that's when the love story began. So I can't believe that's what you love about it too. Because so many people are just like, blah, blah, other cool Angular things. But they never really mentioned like the real time thing, which is what got me. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I um, feel old. <laughs> why do you feel? Why? Why do you feel old? Because you're talking about exploring Angular in college, and <laughs> Angular for me came into my career about fifteen years after college. <laughs> 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 that just means you have a leg up on us and that your logic skills are off the charts. So, you know, I'm just saying. It's not a bad thing. Thank you so much. This has been such a cool one, Fabian. Like, seriously. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely cool. Well, let's wrap this thing up with some picks. So, who's got picks? Alyssa, you got some picks? Yeah. No. I, no. No, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, because uh, I don't really have picks either. So, Austin, you got some picks? Yeah, I was out last week, so I got a bunch built up. Um, so the Webpack CLI came out, so that like makes it easy to make Webpack configs, something that's not normally pretty easy. Um, Visual Studio for Mac came out last week. You guys were talking about .NET stuff, so I figured I'd throw that one in. There's this new project called NestJS. It's a Node API framework, um, and it looks like Angular. It's so cool. Um, it's got like modules and Angular's DI and uh, some the name. Some of the names of some of the stuff are a little odd for backend stuff, but uh, it made me feel at home. <laughs> and then uh, just today, um, Adam and uh, inter uh, introduced like first uh, first party integration with like GitHub. So you can manage like GitHub issues and things like that all from within your editor. That's it. Oh, that's, those are good ones. I'm gonna, I'm gonna borrow one of those. So one of those was mine and one of those was Alyssa's. Mike, do you have anything or do you wanna borrow one of Austin's as well? I don't need his, I've got my own. I've got two picks today. Uh, I need to get one into the, uh, notes uh first one are my headphones that i recently picked up uh the bose quiet comfort 35s uh they're wireless and uh there is um what's called noise cancellation so i hear like nothing else i'm sure the phone's coming through i barely heard the phone ringing here um and then the other one is recently launched by thought ram um is machine labs underscore ai uh so integrating in some artificial intelligence into your applications. Uh, I suggest going to check that out. So nice job on launching that guys. Oh, is Justin frozen? Did we lose Justin? Oh no. Well, pickles. Fabian, do you have any picks? That's what he gets oh. for stealing your picks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do have one. I would say uh, Gitter, which is Gitter <laughs> slash Angular slash Angular. Um, it's an awesome place to hang out. Lots of really cool people. You know a lot about Angular. Um, so for people who never, 
people who have never used Gitter, how do you get to Gitter? And is it a part of GitHub? Because I'm still like, I don't know what it is. GitLab actually owns it. They picked it up not too long ago. So I can find it on GitHub or no? Uh, the Angular Core Reaper, I believe, does have a link to it. Um, so if you just go Angular slash uh, github.com slash Angular slash Angular, uh, I believe there's a little badge um, at the top there, which has a little link to the Gitter. Otherwise, you can just find it through gitter.com slash Angular slash Angular. But you do need a GitHub or Twitter account to uh, sign in. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and you're on there like 24-7, I hear, or no? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Awesome. Well, I, I'll say goodbye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Tuesday.